Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Go to the BetQL guest hotline. We are joined by Odyssey NFL insider Mark Schlereth, host of the Odyssey original cast, The Stinking Truth, covering the entire NFL. Mark, it's great to have you back on in D.C., where you are a Super Bowl champion. How you been? I'm good, man. Things are great. How are you guys? Doing very well. Doing very well. I, I got to ask you, though, with your playing experience, you're part of one of the greatest offensive lines ever put together. The 91 team obviously here is such stuff of legend. We know the numbers. Mark uh, Ripon was only sacked seven times behind you guys. That's like a quarter and a half now for Sam Howell. It's been the Achilles heel. What are you seeing when you watch this offensive line, this quarterback, and this offense? It just doesn't seem to be a priority to protect him. Yeah, well, I mean, I... <laughs> I think that there's a lot of that that goes into when you're talking about protection, there's a lot that goes into not only the players you have, but the scheme uh, that you run and, and the way that you call plays. Because to me, protection's about as much about the guys up front as it is about the play calling. And so, you know, you ultimately, to me, you have to, you have to say, hey, we're going to throw it 35 times this particular game. How do we get that? down to about 12 times from a protection standpoint that we got to hold up in protection. And, and so how do you do that? Well, you, you put in, let's call it five, let's call it five, you know, quick steps, quick throws, quick steps. And let's put a couple of five bubble screens in and five regular swing passes or five screens and then a bunch of, a bunch of five-step drops that have zero hitch. The ball's going to be out. And the next thing you know, you whittle that 35 attempts down to 12. And then if you can't hold up in 12 attempts after you have that kind of versatility, then you guys suck as a group up front, and we need to get new players. So a lot of that goes to play calling. And um, when anytime, and I tell coordinators this all the time, if we give up seven or eight, you know, seven or eight sacks a game, you suck as a play caller. It's not so much your guys up front. So you know, there's a combination between between the play callers, a symbiotic relationship between the play callers, the O line, the the tight ends, the running backs. It all has to work in unison, and you've got to be able to call a game that takes pressure off those guys because defensive players, you know, the defensive pass rushers are so freaking good and they're so fast and so athletic that you can't hold up if you don't call it the right way. Mark Schlereth with us on Grant and Danny, really insightful. I think that one of the ways analytics has really helped us in this sack conversation is we can quantify a lot of the time in ways that we weren't able to years ago like who the sack was on or when the quarterback is at fault. It used to be 
if a guy got sacked, we would just go, oh, come on, Mark, or whoever the offensive lineman was, right? And now we know, well, he held the ball too long, or he stepped up to the wrong depth, and a lot of those things. I was looking at a chart today where if you look at, like, time before pressure on sack plays, the Washington's third worst in the entire NFL, meaning it's a lot of times more on the young quarterback than the players. I'm curious in your career, if you can remember times where like a quarterback was struggling to get the ball out and just like how that makes your life more difficult, what kind of things can be done between the line and the quarterback to improve that? Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes that's the timing, the timing of the offense. And, you know, I'm not a big analytics guy because a lot of the people grading the analytics don't know what they're looking at anyway. So, you know, from a math has never made one tackle. It's never blocked one guy. It, it just hasn't. You know, I always get this two-point conversation, like, you got to go for it. I'm always like, well, how many two-point plays do you think we have in any game plan that we really like? One? Maybe two? Oh, but let's just go for it every time. Like, I, I, <laughs> I just – a lot of this, a lot of that stuff is garbage to me um, because, you know, I mean, hey, it, the, the analytics tell us to go for it here. Really? Because does the analytics tell you you're blocking uh, Aaron Donald this time? one-on-one and you can't block you haven't blocked the three technique all day long like did the analytics tell you that no it's over the course of time so a lot of that stuff is garbage um i don't pay too much attention to it um but i I will say from the standpoint of the timing of routes listen especially when you're a young quarterback and you know i did i did houston last week for instance cj stroud by far is the best rookie quarterback of all the group of, of guys that were taken well, one of the things you have to understand is when you take the quarterback, it's not about the best college quarterback that you're taking. It's about the best guy that 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 the best guy that's going to be a pro, meaning that he has played in some pro style system. If you go back to C.J. Stroud, one of the issues that most guys have had that have grown up playing quarterback in this league is they played all seven on seven. That's they've gotten there. You know, that's how they've gotten into this this whole quarterbacking thing. Well, they're in shotgun the whole time. There is no pass rush, right? you don't work on your footwork. So C.J. Stroud has been under center from day one, from the time he was in Pop Warner through college to now. And the timing of the feet, okay, the timing of the offense is kept in the feet of the quarterback. So every step you take is perfectly planned, and it, and it lines up with a route or route combination. So if I hit that third step, you know, and then two more steps, then the ball is supposed to come out. And then if it doesn't come out there because the guy's covered, you hitch up one step, and now it comes out. And so that's how, that's how the timing of the offense works. And if your footwork is not on point, then you're not ready to throw the ball when the, when the receiver comes out of his break and all of a sudden, okay, now i got to bypass that one. And I'm always late. I'm always off structure a little bit. So the footwork stuff is so vitally important. And most young quarterbacks in this league, they're thinking about footwork. They don't have the footwork down. Um, And that's why so many guys are late or so many guys are off schedule. And it's just one of those things that you have to really pay attention to in the, uh, in the overall scheme of of football in general. Mark Schlereth with us here on Grant and Danny outside of the sacks, which I know you can't take away and remove. They're part of the balance sheet here when it comes to young quarterbacks, specifically thinking of Sam Howell here, Mark, what have you made of Howell through, through six starts? There's a lot of qualities to like, right? Yeah, there definitely is a ton of stuff to like about Sam Howell. I mean, um, big-time arm talent. Uh, he got touch on the football. Um, and, like, he's got, like, dudes all balls. Like, he ain't, fr- he ain't afraid. You know, he'll stand in there and take one of the teeth. He'll scramble around and get hit on the sideline. We had him 
early in the year. I think we had him week one, and uh, he took a shot on the sideline from a linebacker from Arizona that I was like, holy Moses, pop right back up. I think they made him leave for a play. But, you know, he's he's got that toughness. He's got that competitiveness. You can see that. And I think as a player, and you really respect the guys. Like, the guys that you respect are guys that are tough. Like, that's the number one indicator of whether I respect a guy or not. Is Is he tough? Will he take a shot? Will he stand in the face of kind of quote-unquote danger and take Rydell to the lips and, you know, get up and keep playing? And those are the guys that you have a ton of respect for. Um, that's a quality that you have a ton of respect for. So it's one thing about Sam is, is he's got some toughness about him that I really appreciate. You mentioned being impressed by C.J. Stroud. He has been outstanding so far this season. <clears throat> what do you make of uh, the, the struggles Bryce Young's having it's really early. Obviously, a new offense there for Frank Reich with the rest of the players as well. I don't want to say that anyone should be concerned because it's been six games, and he did play better this week, but I think a lot of people are surprised. What do you make of his start to the season? Well, first off, he's built like a 12-year-old. Like, I mean, he's <laughs> tiny. Like, I'm so sorry. He is small. But he's a little guy. He's, he is tiny. So, I mean, that's right off the bat. You know, when he's going through the draft process, I was like, really? Like, that, that's going to be your guy? Um, and I, I think, you know, obviously he's had the ability to manipulate the pocket and move around and do some of those things in the college game, and that's good. But a lot of short quarterbacks, I've talked to a lot of guys, it just eliminates some of the, the easy, quick throws that are in the box throws, you know, from tight end to tight end box, eight yards deep. Like, those are automatic 80% completion ratio, right? The little spots to the tight end or, you know, the, uh, the like the Z spots or the, um, you know, all those little routes inside, little arrow routes, just little turnaround routes. And you've got six foot, a bunch of six foot, six, 300 pound men in your way, in your field of vision. So it eliminates some of those easy, quick throws um, for a smaller quarterback. So, like I said, you know, when you start to kind of break it down, those throws in the middle of the football field within eight yards are considered about 80% completion ratio. And then the throws kind of outside, you know, outside toward the numbers, intermediate throws are, you know, like 60%. And then anything deep is, you know, at a 30% clip or what, however they, however they kind of, there's a formula to it, but bottom line is the easiest throws in football and the things that everybody's offense has in it um, become unaccessible to guys that are really small sometimes um, or less accessible. So instead of completing 80% of those throws, maybe you're completing 60% of them. Well, shoot, then if you, then if you, you know, you divvy up the pie everywhere else, you throw the ball, instead of completing 67, 68% of your throws, you're now completing 57. Well, in the, today's NFL, it's not good enough. And I think that's a big issue. Mark, I think you had the Bengals earlier this year. Is that right? Yes. What do you make of their early season struggles? And I I think maybe we also might have written them off prematurely. That's a pretty scary group if they're right. Yeah, no question. I mean, obviously their quarterback is phenomenal. But you have to understand that they probably, early in the season, because their quarterback's calf, um, I mean, Joe Burr flat couldn't move. And so not only can't you drive the ball, you know, it's your push-off leg. So he's having trouble driving the ball, but he can't escape. So there's no off-schedule stuff. Like, he had zero off-schedule stuff at his, at his disposal. Um, in, the, in the game I called, I did three games. He was under center twice, two times wow. in three games. 
Um, so now all of a sudden, when you're not under center, some of your run action stuff, your run action, play action stuff, is just basically taken away from you. And then from a run standpoint, when you're, you know, when you're running back is plus or minus. So we call it far if he's away from the tight end on the side of the quarterback, near if he's to the tight end um, on the side of the quarterback. Well, 80% of what you run out of that is is directed opposite the way the running back lines up. So because he's, he can't run the – he can't run the opposite way. Then the other thing that happens, you can't get outside because you're you're getting underneath handoff stuff from the quarterback's hip. So you've eliminated, call it 50% of your runs are gone. Um, you become very one-dimensional. As a matter of fact, Zach Taylor goes, hey, man, listen, in the last three weeks, I've run mid-zone more than I've run it in 30 years because nothing else is there for me. I don't have anything else. And then all the boot keep action, all the quarterback action, the waggle action is gone because he couldn't run. So you're walking into these game plans, playing him at quarterback, and 60% of your offense is, you know, circular files. That's, that's, really, that's really what's going on. Mark Schlereth, Odyssey NFL insider on Grant and Danny. A couple of moments left going around the NFL. I know it's been several weeks since you had the Giants. But I am curious, you know, you spent a lot of time around them early in the season getting ready for that broadcast. Washington is at the Meadowlands this weekend. Not sure if Daniel Jones will be back. Their offense is kind of sputtered out of control. Just how surprised are you by what's happened there after last season? And do you chalk it up to injuries? Is there more to it than that? Yeah, well, I, I was – they were one of my teams that were going to, you know, at preseason would fall out. What they did last year was – yeah, some of it was bailing wire and twine, you know. Some of it was magic. Um, and it was great. Don't get me wrong. What they did was awesome. But, um, you know, I mean, they've had the injuries with Saquon Barkley. I think one of the other things that you're always constantly trying to do um, when you have a quarterback who's really his best attribute is his athleticism, ability to run around, you understand that that's not a sustainable form of offense. And so you look at it like, okay, we've got to get him to be more of a pocket guy. Well, I'm sorry, you spent $160 million on a guy that's not a pocket guy. Sorry. And, you know, I mean, he's a big strapping dude and everything else. But where he was good last year was when they had eight design QB runs a game. And they had all the run action and play action stuff off of that in the passing game. That's when he was good, when they had the RPO system and they did all those things. Trying to make him, you know, 90% drop back, that's just not his skill set. And so ultimately, I understand why teams do it. But, um, you know, at some point, you're going to have to get to the point where you're like, hey, listen, our guy's a running quarterback, and he's not going to be a 15-year franchise guy. It's going to be an eight-year flash in the pan. You know, it's going to be the Cam Newton thing. And let's see if we win a championship playing that way, get the guy beat up, and then move on. So I, I think that's what you're going to have to start looking at with some of these guys. Because I think ultimately, if your default mechanism your whole life is I'm more athletic than everybody else, it's really hard to get in the NFL and then change that. You know, if your default mechanism is neck down, let's take off and make something happen athletically, then that's what it is. It's almost instinct. And I, I just find it hard to believe. And I, I don't know of an example of a guy, maybe Rich Gannon, 
Um, other than that, I mean, you give me an example of a guy that early in his career, all he did was take off and run and became a legit pocket passing guy. Um, that doesn't happen very often. So I, I don't know, but that's just kind of my thought on that. Mark, when you get your take and last one for me before we let you jump, I, I was had a, an interesting, I thought, debate with my pops actually about the NFL. And his claim was there's no more greatness in the NFL. They're great players. Obviously they're great in- individuals and the talent's better than it's ever been, obviously with the training and how skilled and fast these guys are. But his point is there are no more great teams. There's only really good teams. I didn't have a great comeback for that. As someone who played in the league and now studies yeah. it for a living, what do you think about that? Well, I think he's probably right. Um, and I think, you know, I think you, you nailed it when you said there's great talent in the league. I don't know how many great football players there are. Now, there, are, there are some, but I think this has become a league of athleticism and athletes um, more than football players. And I, always, I say this all the time. Um, you know, football is easy for football players. It's really hard for athletes. And I think you have created a league full of athletes and less and less really good football players. Of course, there are a lot of guys who are really good. Um, but I think that's I think that's one of the big issues. I think the other thing is, as a players association, we negotiate football out of football. And the owners are, are more than happy to do that for us. Instead of giving, you know, lifetime insurance and all this kind of stuff, hey, we'll give you less practice time. And the players just, you know, jump on that. Okay, we got less practice time. Like, that's going to extend your career. It's really only going to hurt you because we have developed a, a group of players that aren't really being developed. And so, you know, once they start getting into that middling contract, you know, after their rookie deals, we'll just dump them and, and get more rookies. Um, and so, really, it was really just a short-sighted um, kind of process in the last negotiating kind of deal. And, you know, I mean, you think about as players – we lock ourselves out of $200 million facilities that have, you know, hydrotherapy and, and you know, and, and chiropractic care. And we have massage therapists and, 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 and training rooms and weight rooms and all that so that we can spend, what, 150 grand to go work out in Arizona for, you know, six weeks? Like, how stupid are we? We're just a bunch of idiots. So um, that's just kind of where we sit right now. And what we've done is create a – a league full of fair to middling players. Um, and that's unfortunate. Mark Schlereth on Grant and Danny, our Odyssey NFL insider. Uh, we appreciate the time. Enjoy your uh, respite, and we'll see you back on Fox on NFL Sunday very soon. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Take Mark. care. I believe he was at Disneyland today with the fam. Love you can hear in the background getting a little R&R away from the game. I think he's off this weekend. Odyssey NFL insider Mark Schlereth. Again, the stinking truth is the pod if you want to check it out. We appreciate him joining us on Grant and Danny.